Hello, my children. Warning. Supernatural The Crossroads contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Oh, Dad. Oh, Dad. Oh, Welcome, everybody, to Supernatural The Crossroads. I'm your host, Thomas Cowley, and joined with me today is Michael Flores. Hey! And we are here to talk about Season 13, Episode 15, A Most Holy Man. This one was directed by Amanda Tapping mm-hmm. and written by showrunner Andrew Dabb, as well as Robert Singer. And it's a little bit of an odd one, I think is a fair assessment right away, because this came right after a very dark episode of Good Intentions. We've last see the brothers dealing with an angry Castiel who's a soldier doing what has to be done, having basically lobotomized Donatello, yeah, made him brain dead. And in this week, we are now looking for one of the ingredients to the spell leading into the proposed end of season 13. We're at the point where we've gotten to this point in seasons five and season seven and season eight, where you have to get the ingredients together to move on to the end. And in this one, we go for the blood of a most holy man. The funny thing is, is that they brought out the big guns for this episode. And I think there was a lot of expectations because of that, because you have the two showrunners running shotgun on this episode. With the title of one of the ingredients for the ritual in a very dark episode that will stop a port or open a portal to another dimension like this. All the signs point to this is going to be huge. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that might be the 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 reason or the catalyst as to why there has been a lot of groans on on social media because of the yeah. fact that I think there is a lot of expectations. They got to set themselves up. Holy shit, Robert Singer, Andrew Dabb, these are a lot of powers to be involved in a, in a specific episode that kind of, for the most part, ends up being almost except falling for, flat i wouldn't even say falling flat necessarily but it was kind of a throwaway episode outside of them finding a key ingredient that is a part of the myth arc the main plot outside of that which consumed maybe five six minutes this episode is kind of forgettable so to see it's the, very superficial yeah so to see the two of them involved as writers you kind of expected a lot more I think not just from what we expected from the source material, you know, looking for one of the ingredients, the writers on deck for this one, one being the showrunner and the other one being Robert Singer, who's been a part of the show since the beginning. But between those two items, we also have the expectations from last episode and the genre set up or, or changes throughout this yeah. episode. We we expect certain things within the first five minutes and it, I, that's where it, some of it is superficial and some of it does fall flat because it doesn't resonate with what we all expected. Yeah. 
So and I know that, there's a lot of fair. Is that fair? I to say that? Yeah. Is that fair for us to put all these expectations on the episode? So. Because you have two of the showrunners, one who's been on board since day one and another one that's been on since season four. And to have these two people work together on a specific episode, I feel like it is a fair. I think there's no reason to think that the showrunner and the exec, one of the main producers and main directors for the last 13 years aren't bringing out the A-game. Yeah. I think there's no reason to go into it thinking that. Yeah. Any to think anything else. And I think that's why it's fair to say it fell flat a little bit. And I know there's been a lot of discussion amongst not just Supernatural fans, but the internet as a whole of... Well, just because it's not what you expected doesn't mean it's wrong. But I think this is an example where you can still be wrong despite it not being what we expected. And I typically agree with that. You do. Yeah, you've said that multiple times. I'm one of those people like, hey, listen, I don't review or judge an episode of TV or movies based on my own expectations. But when your expectations is Robert Singer and Andrew Dabb. The two showrunners, they're the end all. They should be the most absolute talent in that room comes in and delivers an episode that kind of just is a normal episode. I think there is a a certain amount of disappointment that is justified, if that makes any sense. And we'll get into that here in a minute. But we've we cross off one of the items on the list. We get the blood of a most holy man, which was probably the strongest part of the episode was the casting department once again. And the character of Father Luca Camarelli or Cam- Camilleri. I'm always going to ruin it, guys. It's even if it's fucking fictional. I'm Luca ruin it. Camilleri. Luca Camarelli. Oh, never mind. No, I can't do Just it. say Camilleri. Too white. Yeah. Camilleri. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> uh, he did a great job portraying this sympathetic, genuine priest who had the right intentions in play at the right time. He he didn't feel corny or fake or cheesy. Like, and, and that's the problem is that when you play a genuinely good character, which I, I think to this season, we've seen that with Jack's general intentions, that innocence that only wants to do the right thing that almost, you could say naive naivete that, that you're naive Yeah, to see somebody play that in a way that doesn't come across as funny to us cynics. Or something that we could poke fun at. Right. It's very rare. Yeah. And that is the shining moment in this episode is the the sincerity of Luca Camilleri. Yeah. He's the takeaway. And I think he needed to be since he was going to be the the key ingredient to this uh, spell. I think he had to be that obvious and on the nose for us to, as the audience or Sam and Dean even, to believe that they've got the right ingredient there. Yeah, it was just a great casting decision. The casting department on Supernatural is always spot on. This is something we, maybe I'm exaggerating, not always, but I'd say nine times out of ten, the casting department just delivers when it comes to these guest roles. It's something that Supernatural has always done right. Even from way back in the day with the Kripke eras, they always managed to get these characters that aren't well known in the acting world and they kind of make them out to be they they showcase their acting talent. And this isn't the case with a lot of CW shows, Thomas. There's a lot of CW shows because you're in the area of the Canadian area. You're part of the Canadian film market for the most Mm -hmm. part. You kind of keep pulling from that that same pool. 
Yeah, and that's why you see a lot of cast members that have been on iZombie, have been on the originals and Vampire Diaries and DC and the the DC on the CW content. And it seems like Supernatural kind of veers away from that. Yes, they do bring new fresh faces that happen to be on one of these shows at one point, but for the most part, they kind of bring the talent they're the ones who start it and then they kind of build their career from there yeah. within the vancouver uh film market and this is just one of those guys this guy i wouldn't even mind seeing this guy come back in supernatural i know he was kind of a one and done but i feel like there was something really good about him he had great screen presence he was so sincere he he, he grabbed the audience and sucked them in i felt like he, he was one of the sucked <laughs> <laughs> He's really a chupacabra. Oh, no, I, I agree. I think he did a great job. Would you job. be a most unholy man if you sucked? No. If you sucked? A um, most unholy man? A most holy man. If oh, yeah. If I, he grabbed and sucked you vigorously, would that classify him praising. any longer? I'd be saying, my God. What if he gave them the blood? <laughs> then he sucked. Did some terrible things. Would it, would, the, would it cancel out the good blood or would it be okay because well, the blood, th- they got it first when he was holy? In this universe, remember, God had some boyfriends himself. Yeah. Yeah. So there's nothing true. to say that wouldn't be holy. Right? That's true. This is this isn't, you know, hardcore old testament. All right. Well let me let me here. grab my ankles then. <laughs> <laughs> You've been doing yoga, have you? Mm-hmm. No, I agree though. He was a great catch for this show. And and Supernatural has done that before where they seem to be the ones who get a relatively unknown actor. This is one of their first gigs. And turns them into a fan favorite. Yeah. Whereas other shows on the CW seem to be like, hey, we've got this already relatively fan favorite character or or actor. They're going to be a role. Yeah. On our show. Now, besides the most holy man, Faith itself was a big player in the, this episode. Yeah, for sure. And it, it's, it's pretty easy to see it coming throughout the episode, but it really comes home at the end with Dean's exact statement about it, which... That the the beginning and the end of Supernatural is usually where you have even on a monster of the week is where you have the story elements get pushed forward. And for Dean and Sam's little conversations between one another carry a lot of weight a lot of the time. So for Faith to come up at that point, we have to ask, why is Dab bringing this up? Why is he posing these questions directly in our face? Why is this something that we're going to be looking at? In the future, is this a theme for the season, for the show as a whole, for them coming to an end? And if you remember that, remember, if you want to parallel this specific aspect of the season around this time last year, Dab also posed the thought of whether or not we are doing the right thing. Are we making the right calls? Are we really making a dent in the grand scheme of things? What does our future look like? Does it look like we're going to have have a happy ending? Is there an end? Are we really that important? And he kind of answered that by introducing the apocalypse world. He said, hey, look, this is an actual dim, dingy reflection of what the world would be like if it wasn't for what for you, you were guys, doing. Yeah. So that kind of makes you think when you parallel these, kind of start to see is Dab kind of forming his ending thesis? Is he going to start or focusing? a whole. Not for Supernatural as a whole, but is he trying to pose a question for something bigger? Either it be the season finale or a way to jumpstart season 14. Why is he making it so 
and obvious what, obvious that he's posing the question of faith by using uh massey furlan the actor that played calamari 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 is, is, is it calamari <laughs> camel larry he's, come on he's part squid now <laughs> i like how i am usually the one that gets the shit hey for listen it. i'm not mispronouncing names i just, just completely i just change them completely when i can't pronounce Father taco bell over yeah. there <laughs> yeah jesus christ so no but the, do you get what i'm saying like yes. i'm wondering if he's posing a bigger question that's supposed to be drawn out a bit I think I think it's fair to say he is. I think I mean there's been a lot of touches to that throughout this season. I think of breakdown where we find out that there's the monsters that they hunt are only the ones that are stupid enough to get caught. Right. Frankly, and that there's millions out there and they'll never stop this tide. Is it worth doing? Are they doing the right thing? Little subtle lines like from Cassiel where we do whatever it takes. Right. And and we see some of that come to light in this episode. So I think it is fair to say that faith and are you doing the right thing? At what point do you stop? At what point do you move on? And what point do you just keep fighting the good fight? Is yeah. there ever an end to something like this? Yeah. And, and, these and it's, are, it's and, something that Supernatural kind of had way back in Kripke's era. I, this end of season two, what is and what never should be. Dean asking his dad's grave, why does it always have to be us? Why do we... Haven't we sacrificed enough? You know, some of that comes into play here because 10, 11 years later, they're asking some of the same questions is, are we doing enough? Is what we're going to do is what we've done even going to make a difference in the grand scheme of things. We're just chasing the apocalypse and trying to stop it along for the ride. Yeah. Does it just mean the world's doomed no matter what, you know? Yeah. There's definitely a lot to dissect, which we're going to get into that. Yeah. more but i mean faith has isn't a unique or original thought to play with in supernatural it's something no. that has been in around the, since season two it's been in the background it's been in the foreground of since season one shit. various seasons yeah since season one in fact episode faith <laughs> yeah we're gonna talk about that and and what we can draw upon in that episode alone and what it means for this episode so it's definitely interesting to see what they'll end up doing with that yeah and then a, another little bit of interesting stuff to d- discuss with this episode is the style, the genre that was utilized in this episode, or should I say the genres, because there was a, several different ones mixed together. Yeah. But it's generally a gangster noir homage idea that they mixed in and kept as the framework for this episode. And there's questions of, did they stick to genre enough? Is it? changed too much did they blur the lines between noir and a yeah. gangster movie and we're going to get into that but we're going to save that for the main discussion first we've got as always we've got some news primarily the one that everyone's excited for the scooby-doo crossover oh. is it, it just made somebody came yep yeah uh, is is almost here so uh rev up the mystery machine because sam and dean winchester are about to meet the scooby gang Nearly a year ago, it was announced that the CW drama Supernatural, starring Jared Padalecki and Jensen Eccles, would be crossing over into the classic Hanna-Barbera cartoon. Uh, Entertainment Weekly revealed some details about the upcoming animated meeting of the ghost-busting teams, uh, A Great Dane and Jinkies. Somebody can't write. So we've seen some screenshots at this point. You've seen them, I'm assuming. Oh, yeah. Where they're all in the pots 
signed off in little groups. It looks great. I love the Dean's with Daphne. Oh, that yeah. just makes me laugh. Yeah. You know he would be, too. Oh, absolutely. I would be, too. I'd be right in that pot. In fact, you wouldn't see my head. I'd be, you'd just see her pop up. And she's just making faces and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. I loved in that image that they released, though, Castiel's just sitting there stoic in the pot, which I we knew Sam and, we knew Sam and Dean were going to go to the alternate, I guess, dimension or whatever the fuck Scooby-Doo is yeah. to this reality. But I didn't think Castiel would come along for the ride. I'm glad he did. I'm excited for that. That I just see being very fun with his traditional stoic, I don't understand the references. Yeah. And when, and when you do episodes like this, these fun episodes, you got to include the entire crew. You have to have Castiel. You have to have, of course, Sam and Dean. And I'm a little disappointed we didn't get Jack. I think it would have been even fun, more fun to watch if we even had the the odd element of Jack yeah. working side by side with Castiel. I think it would have added even that that much more. However, I get why they didn't. And I think it'll still be good. But at least Castiel's there for sure. Now, this is a little bit of spoilers for those who are super excited for this episode. You may want to divert your ears or jump ahead by a few minutes, but... Plug them up with some ear condoms. Plug them up. Plug them up with some ear condoms. And don't poke holes in it. I haven't heard that one. You don't want your ears to have... uh, STDs? Spoiler babies. Spoiler transmitted... Spoiler babies are essentially rumors, I guess, right? I guess. Yeah. Oh, man. Don't poke a hole in your ear condoms. (laughs) What? (laughs) You don't want spoiler babies. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Put your condoms on. Yeah. Things start out, apparently, with Dean wrestling a stuffed dinosaur that came to life. Oh, damn. And being rewarded with a magical TV that sucks the brothers into an old episode of Scooby-Doo. That right there sounds like a fucking acid trip. Yeah. <laughs> so he's fighting a dinosaur, came to life. You know how that shit happens. And then they get a magic TV. You've seen Jumanji. Basically that. <laughs> Uh, but then it's Scooby-Doo because that's what was on when I woke up after taking too much NyQuil. Oh, it's going to be so good. Like, that's what happened. That's how they wrote this fucking episode. Too bad there wasn't like a porno on the TV instead. How funny would that be? Was it Dean's in- busty Asian beauties? Oh, man. Now, how funny would that be? Oh. Being sucked into a porno world? You'd get sucked in the porno world as well. Would you be holy still, though? I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. Look at that. Circling back to that question. I, I think if you can make anybody say they saw a god, then yes. Right. And it also it's fictitious. You're being sucked into something that's not real. So it didn't count. Yeah. <laughs> that's Catholic loophole 101. Oh, right there. yeah. Uh, so it turns out the show was Dean's favorite childhood cartoon. So his knowledge of the show will come in handy. And Dean is even seen holding hands with Daphne. My God. Uh, the crew, the Winchester brothers joined forces with Castiel's the crew. I wonder going to get jealous. You know, that's my hand to touch. <laughs> <laughs> You don't, I will fight you over Dean. Oh, that'd be so funny. You think they'd do that? I don't know, but I do want them to take uh, Scooby snacks by the end of the episode. And then find based, out what they actually are. Which is essentially weed. I mean, that's kind of what you always yeah. knew was weed. So, man. Although it usually great. seemed like an upper. So was it meth? Uh, was meth a thing, though, in the Hey, fuck, 60s? dude. It's a, it's a Scooby snack. You don't know what it is. That's true. Maybe it was the first round of meth. So it says the Winchester brothers will join forces with the crew with a mystery that's a lot more mature than your typical uh, rip the rubber mask off the gardener Scooby-Doo plot. It gets pretty rip dark. the rubber off. That's all I heard for a second. Well, we took the ear condoms off. <laughs> Jesus. Robert Singer says it gets pretty dark. There are things you wouldn't see in a regular Scooby-Doo cartoon. 
and the episode airs March 29th. So we, again, have to wait a few weeks. And correct me if I'm wrong, I I believe that the people who wrote this episode coming up is actually the writers of Scooby-Doo. The current writers of Scooby-Doo. No, really? I I will confirm that by the end of the show, but I'm 100%. 100% pretty sure? Yeah. (laughs) Thank you for helping me out there. You're welcome. I'm 99.9% sure that it is. Like condoms. That's how effective they are and how sure you are. So stupid. That's working. If that's the case, though, what does that mean that for the writers of Scooby-Doo? Does it mean that they are actually Supernatural fans? Because you can't really include Sam and Dean and put all the quirkiness of the Winchesters and Castiel into an episode and be true to it unless you understand it, right? I would think so. Yeah. Maybe they worked with somebody like it's a, a team effort. Possibly. On this. Yeah. They could do that. Definitely a possibility. But the biggest question, Thomas, that I have is, what is this going to do for its ratings? Uh, are we going to see rating a rating spike just because of the intrigue? I, I know that people were clamoring allegedly for the for the ratings bump due to the the One Tree Hill audience because oh, Jesus. Da- Danielle Ackles yeah. uh, did. However, this has managed to get a lot of press. You, I'm seeing people on my Facebook feed who never post about Supernatural posting Talking about, about it of Scooby-Doo. the Scooby-Doo crossover. And various friends of mine have said, I'm going to DVR this because I love Scooby-Doo. So are we going to see a ratings jump because of this? And not only that, are we going to see an overall jump? Not just in this episode, but is it going to get people to... To maybe possibly make that that transition and actually watch the show. Start watching Supernatural because of doing something like this. I mean, it very well could. There's been sillier things that have gotten other people to watch shows over time. Crossovers are very good at doing that. I think Scooby-Doo would work with like our age demographic and my age and older. Because I remember a shit ton of Scooby-Doo was on when I was a kid. And that's when the movies, like the TV movies, started happening. Like Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. I remember that one. And I think it could. I mean, if there's that much talk about it. There is a lot. I would think so. There's a lot of buzz. And I know. Definitely for this episode. Yeah. The only thing that might hurt it is the fact that you have to come back a couple weeks after the most recent one. That's true. That That might hurt it because that always fucks up shows. Yeah. As far as viewership. If you look at the ratings from the entire year and you compare them to last year, we're about 6% better than last season, which is good. That's no small number, you know, to scoff at. That's a decent increase, 6% for a show. Again, remember, 13 seasons, Thomas, and for a show to have a 6% increase, that's a good thing. Now, imagine if Scooby-Doo comes in and we have an an even bigger rating spike. Does this mean we're going to see the the producers of Supernatural uh, struggle or clamor to get more crossovers like this to happen each season so that we can see those ratings spike? It could. However, I feel like that's always risky territory because every crossover has the potential to jump the shark. They go either. Oh, they absolutely. can either go. This is fucking awesome. It was everything I wanted. And I can't wait them for to bring this character back or you hope they do. Something like Constantine in the DC shows. I think he was the DC DC shows, correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That works really well. Or you're going to end up with something that just feels ham-fisted. And I feel like 
Scooby-Doo doing it once could be good for them. I think if they do want to do another kind of crossover, they'd have to wait at least a year before they tried that again. Yeah. And it will 100% depend on the storyline because right now, fighting a dinosaur acid trip, that needs to be explained, even right. for Supernatural's universe. When, it, when Gabriel was a full-on player in the show, he could show up at any time, and you had things like changing channels, it absolutely works. Despite the bump of such a, you know fan service thing could do for the show the hardcore fans are still going to want to know why the fuck did that happen or yeah. how does this come about right. a second time well i, I think we so already, risky but it could yeah because you and i have already discussed this in depth about the scooby-doo crossover and how it it could be funny right that's right. fine but also we're closing in on episode 16 it's also got i in my opinion it's also got to be meaningful to the myth arc that, that's usually the best the gimmicky episodes Mm-hmm. Like this are usually best when there is a an underlying message yeah. or an underlying implication for the season. If you look well, at like changing channels, that's like changing the perfect channels, example. The French, French mistake, mistake uh, baby. These are all gimmicks. Yeah, all of them meant something and really pushed not just the the tangible narrative but the intangible narrative as well. And that's what I'm really looking forward to. Seeing and hoping they do with this crossover because you can do these fun episodes all day, but if they don't amount to anything, then what's the fucking point? Like, to, to have a good time, well, it's relax. Just, it's just I don't need self indulgence. If then. I want to have fun and and in a goofy time, I'm going to watch Scooby Doo. Yeah, this is a fun While way you're to high. push the story exactly on possibly meth. While Scooby I'm snacks. thinking of Daphne, and then you fall asleep because you're touching too much Nyquil. My, touching my peen. <laughs> is that wrong? Would that mean that would happen to Daphne? Would that make me unholy? If, no, it's, it's cartoon. It's not a real person, right? I'm not objectifying anybody, right? I, ooh, you know, I'm not a priest or a very good person, so I couldn't tell you. All right, well, you're no fun. <laughs> you need Ryan here to say yes, Mike. You'd be totally fine. Just whip it out and fap right away. Yeah, how's that? Hey, thank you. That's better. Yep. Make sure to head on over to patreon.com slash rainman digital and sign up to pledge. Any amount will get you guys additional crossroads content at the $1 tier. You get the 10 minutes at the crossroads where we do little mini kind mini episodes. I think that's really the best way to describe it. Fragmented ideas of what we want to talk about for just a few minutes. Something that doesn't fit well into a main episode doesn't fit into the wayward sisters or the retro crossroads reviews but something that needs to be discussed. That's You get that at the 10 minutes at the crossroad for just $1. You guys go up to the $3 tier. You get that plus the pre-shows where we turn on the cameras and we do additional behind-the-scenes content for Supernatural and we do the Wayward Sisters edition. Same exact show discussing the content for Wayward Sisters both in the Supernatural show and hopefully their own spinoff moving forward. Five dollars, or is that sorry? That five dollars. Jesus Christ, you're I so confused. All right, so basically, yeah. the whole point, Thomas, <laughs> is we put together a release schedule that fits various budgets. Yes. So if you want more content from the crossroads, me, Thomas, and Ryan, we have various tier options. We have things starting as as, as low as a dollar, going up to fifteen dollars for live video access, and also early access to some of our discussions that we do for video casts. So one, three, five, ten, and fifteen dollars. We've made it so that. Anybody, it doesn't matter what their budget is, can enjoy additional content from us, right, Thomas? Because yeah. that's really the point, is 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 giving the listeners something 
that would be of value to them. More than just, we'll follow you on Twitter. And if you haven't pledged at least a dollar, then why do, why do you guys listen to us? I mean, you got to see some value at least enough to give us a dollar. And if you didn't know, we have video cast. If this is the first time you're listening, you get to see our beautiful-ish faces. What? Beautiful faces? Yes. No. Go to the video tier. You get video content. That's the whole point. You can see our beautiful mugs. That's very... Or you can ruin the entire you idea just, of You just unsold audio. it. You just unsold it. <laughs> All right, guys. We are going to take a quick break, but when we get back, we're going to get into our in-depth discussion of Season 13, Episode 15, A Most Holy Man, in just a minute. Give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. Ooh. The Rain Man Show. The Rain Man Show. A woman has shot herself while using Snapchat. <laughs> Rightfully so. Rightfully so. Please tell me she's dead. Yes, oh, yes. Jesus. Hey, I second that. I second that. No, if you're stupid enough to take a selfie with a gun that has live ammunition in it. Yes. And it goes off. Mm-hmm. Darwinism. Well, they took the gun filter away, so she had to use a real gun. gun. <laughs> foolishly playing with her uncle's 40 caliber pistol. When she pulled the trigger and shot her cell phone. Unfortunately, she's dead. caliber is not a small rat. Powell <laughs> suffered What's last going week. on over there? I'm just Snapchatting, Dad. <laughs> I'm just Snapchatting. <laughs> Come on, Quantum Leap song. Quantum Leap song. I'm trying to find out Dr. it gets home. Please hurry up with the Snapchat, Jimmy! <laughs> she came! <laughs> For more Rain Free stuff is awesome, but free stuff that will spice up your bedroom is even better. Just go to adamandeve.com and select almost any one item for 50% off, and then we'll load on the free stuff. Just enter this very exclusive code, DEAL30, at checkout, and you'll get 10 tantalizing free gifts, including a sexy item for him, a special toy for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy. And for your viewing pleasure, six free spicy movies on DVD, plus free shipping. Always sent in discreet packaging. So go to adamandeve.com now. Get 50% off plus 10 free gifts when you enter the exclusive offer code DEAL30. Again, that's DEAL30 because without it, no free stuff. That's DEAL30 at adamandeve.com. Previously on Supernatural The Crossroads. We're not going to nitpick everything because this is a fan show, but also at the same time, we also don't blow an episode yeah. that we don't think is great. I mean, didn't two episodes ago, we I enjoyed dis- the show, but I gave it a C? We destroyed it. Yeah, yeah we weren't. The thing yeah. is, like, I think for me... The show, every episode isn't going to be fucking perfect. No, it's not Schindler's List every episode. <laughs> I have to just drop Schindler's List since I the feel one like that's the one classic thing. movie you know. <laughs> And I mean, even to your point. Because if you want a trolley show, just hash, look at hashtags on Twitter. (laughs) No, I'm just saying, like, if you want us to troll a show, how fun is that going to be? If we troll and trash a fucking episode. Oh, this episode's garbage. Castiel sucked a fat cock. Maybe they would like it then. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Bobby sucked sucked dick. Why do you bring him back? Uh, Where's Chuck? 
Dab sucks. It, it wouldn't be a discussion. It would be a hate fest. And you can see that. Fuck. It, go to a comment section on YouTube and enjoy that. Yeah, that's that, that's literally. <laughs> that will never be the show. Yeah, it will never ever. Be we try and look at the good things that were done and what you what were the strengths of the decisions that were made. We're not saying that every decision they made was good. And I'm raising yeah. my voice, but I'm not mad. I'm raising my Sexually voice. frustrating. Yes, I'm raising my <laughs> voice for emphasis. I tell that to my son. Yeah, sure. Welcome back, everyone. Supernatural, The Crossroads. Now we're talking about episode 15, A Most Holy Man. This one was directed by Amanda Tapping and written by Robert Singer and Andrew Dabb. Now, this episode seems a little bit ho-hum on the surface, but there is a lot more content to it beneath. If you look at a lot of the subtext going into faith and where things have gone for the show so far and where things might be going. Now, this episode was geared towards getting one of the ingredients to open up the portal to Apocalypse World. This entire season has been geared towards how do we get mom back? How do we get now Jack back at the same time? And in many respects, this should be... A very narrative-heavy episode. Getting one of the main ingredients to open a portal to another dimension. And it, it kind of comes across as in one of the more superficial episodes to date. Because most of what we see throughout the surface of this is really just almost, you'd say, Monster of the Week. You yeah. could easily put it in the same group there. It was very shallow. Uh, it Again, the expectations of Robert Singer and Dab both writing this episode... And yet it was not the most narrative or plot heavy episode of the season at all. It, no. was, it was very shallow and a bit fractured as well. Some of the writing. A little bit of it. Yeah. And I think that comes from some of the genre shifts. Yeah. Specifically. Mm-hmm. But this episode is all about getting the blood of a most holy man, which ultimately leads the Winchesters down this cock up cascade of mistakes that that just spiral out of control. And they end up making some decisions that they wouldn't traditionally make under the circumstances, but they have to do it to get this item. And it kind of comes back to what Castiel and Dean just said last episode, that they will do whatever it takes. Now, thankfully, this was a relatively light having to do whatever it takes because Sam and Dean have to do some thievery, which isn't something they're really new to. No, I think back immediately to season three with Bella, where they had to steal. It was like that. The uh, so there was some item they stole. They had dressed up in in tuxedos and dresses, and they went to the gala. Do you know when the one I'm talking like Sam about? Sam and Dean were dressed up in tuxedos and dresses. They Dean were... and and Bella. Oh, do you remember right. that one? <laughs> yes, I do. It's a great yeah. episode. I remember. I don't remember what they had to steal exactly, but they've done some of that before. I mean, breaking out of breaking into and out of prison repeatedly—that is stuff that they've done when they've had to. Faking their own death is technically a crime too, but now they're doing something with deals with people they don't like. And immediately when this episode started going down the path of you got to make a deal with this guy and that guy to find this item, first thing I thought of was where's Crowley when you need him. Right. That's where you would normally summon him. It's like, hey, can you find this for us? That'll be great. Have it to us by Thursday. Yeah. Unfortunately, now they have to do it. And I think Crowley in some ways was their ability to do some dirtier things or do some less than holy things 
that they could pawn off on, well, Crowley did it and we needed it for the right reasons, so it's okay. And now they have, you know, the blood on their hands for any actions that come forward or the ramifications of any of their actions. And this is something that we've seen them really bring it up a notch this season with these unsavory deals. We saw it in the episode, I believe episode eight of this season, uh, the scorpion and the frog and having to make uh, an unsavory deal with a demon. Uh, And they kind of made it a point that they don't make deals like this. They don't want to work with evil people. They made exceptions with Crowley because of various circumstances and how he was like the ex-girlfriend that would never go away. (laughs) He was the crazy ex-girlfriend that would never. We had a great time at the Black Star. Don't you remember? Yeah. So I feel like Crowley, you're exactly right. Crowley usually is that unsavory individual that they work with un. Unwant, un, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Unwillingly. Unwillingly. And now this season, we see them doing it off and on. And it's something they have made a point to say they don't want to do. And yet they find themselves in that position again. And it's making me wonder whether or not we are going to see this become a big issue later in the season. Is Dab setting something up about making deals with individuals? Because they have drawn the line. Dean and Sam both have said, this is the line. We don't want to make that deal. They did the same thing in episode eight uh, with the uh, man and the demon. They chose to save the girl rather than getting Mm -hmm. the piece of uh, the the tracking. tracking. Yeah. So are we going to see them have to, are they prepping us? I mean, are I they getting us ready for a decision that Sam and Dean are going to have to make? And I know we can point to various circumstances throughout the last 13 seasons of Supernatural where Sam and Dean were uh, was confronted by a question, a big old question mark as to whether or not they will be willing to make this decision. But again, for them to bring it up again in this episode where it's like, hey, we're going to do just like last episode, we're going to do what we have to do is this the theme for the end of season 13 doing what we have to do and if doing what we have to do isn't necessarily a good thing does this still give does it justify will sam and dean find justification in doing things like this because we already know sam and dean have changed their thought their outlook on a lot of things the days of stabbing humans who are possessed are over Sam has made that clear last year. Yeah. When did we stop saving people? It's true. I, I think that they have. I think you're right. I think this will be a running theme for the rest of the season. And I think we've already started that earlier this, yeah. this season. With Jack as a whole, the idea that Dean was saying he would kill him if necessary. He would do what had to be done. He yeah. didn't say the exact phrase, but it's the same concept. Absolutely. Making a deal with the demon uh, Barthamus because they had no other choice. And Crowley really was that kind of defensive barrier, like a legal system. Well, you know, technically we didn't do it. Crowley did. You could always pawn it off on him. Right. It's- you could always pawn the bad stuff they did on him. And really, when I think of the last time they made a distinct, definitive deal with a bad enemy or a bad person, bad varies in, you know, what I mean by that. Is, You're a bad person. Is the mark of Cain. Dean made a deal to take the mark in order to do some other good. And ultimately, that led to Amara getting unleashed. Yeah, but also, yes, that's a great comparison. But I think Sam and Dean are willing to do things more if it has to do, if it if it's only going to affect them 
I think that's kind of the selfless nature of being Sam and Dean. They would, if someone said, hey, I'm going to put a bullet to your head. And if that means the world is saved and the monsters and everything that goes bump in the night is now dead and gone, Mm -hmm. I don't think Sam and Dean would hesitate for a moment. And that's the difference. They've always been willing to make those decisions. They sacrifice themselves. Every single time. And that's kind of what the mark was. And ultimately, though, it led to some really bad ramifications with Amara. However, this is different because really they're being selfish. They're not. Billy Death says, don't fucking mess with this house of cards. They deliberately seek out a way to do it to get their mom back. Yeah. Even though doing so could ultimately result in Michael coming through the gate and fucking everything up. That's a great point because are they, are they willing to make decisions like this? That's going to affect other people besides them. Look at what Dean did already at the end of the end of the mid season. He put a gun to a child's face and and made in the car. Yeah. They've clearly done bad things for selfish reasons already. mm -hmm. So as Sam said, when do we stop helping people? There is a line that I think they're starting to draw in the sand, and every step they take for these ingredients is probably going to push them a little bit farther to the ultimate threshold. What we originally thought that might be killing Jack if necessary, but could it be more what they do and the ramifications of what Sam and Dean do that have a truly negative outlook that they can't fix? Yeah, especially when you look at what they did with uh, Father Luca. And how he was making decisions, but look at this—the decisions he was making—they were—they were selfish decisions. They were se- decisions made for the betterment of his village, the betterment of his church, the betterment of the world. He says, "If good people keep doing good work, things will get better." Again, I'm not taken away from the good that Sam and Dean have done. However, is there another way? And those are the interesting questions that writers can pose for audiences. Yes, these are great individuals. These are men who have sacrificed everything. And, and in the grand scheme of things, they are they are good people. Yeah. But is there another way? And that's why I do like episodes like this where they show you the other way. Well, look at this guy. Look what he's willing to do and what he's not willing to do. That's what they're trying to play with there. Well, not just that. The fact that it is a selfish action driving them this time, while they have done good things, is this, are they doing it for the wrong reasons now? You know, killing Jack, while maybe something dark made sense if he became Lucifer 2.0, or he went, you know, dark side, but is risking everything to get your mom back, somebody who had already died, somebody who probably herself would say, are you fucking stupid? Why would you risk this? Yeah. Is this doing something wrong? And honestly, I think that's going to be something that comes up down the road. I think Mary is going to make that sacrifice where she's like, listen, why are you doing all of this for me? I'm yeah. alive. I'm here. I could help this, out here on this world. This world is destroyed because you two weren't born, not because I wasn't born. I am a no one by comparison. But what kind of pressure does that put on Mary as well? Knowing that the Mary of this world did not make the demon deal that would, in fact, save this entire world. It wasn't you, right? Is there some type of guilt there? I know we talked about the opposite and how it kind of justifies uh, Mary's actions and kind of gives you a whole new perspective of Mary Winchester. But. Is there also another side of that now that she sees the ramifications of would you feel guilty for something that someone that was you but wasn't you made like a decision they made? No, I wouldn't. 
And I don't think she should. As Bobby said, I would say that you made the right decision. She did the right thing. Another version of her or another version of me or yourself, Mike, in another reality, what they do is is no different than what somebody on the other side of the planet does, as far as I'm concerned. And is it cheating? Like, if you go to other world and you have sex with your wife in is another it world. cheating? Yeah, what if you are in a relationship and mm. you have a hot, gorgeous girlfriend? No, 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 not even that. I knew it wasn't you, but it's you. So it's okay, right? It's not cheating if you're in another mm. dimension. Would you be okay with that? It, it brings the whole debate, you know, the whole douche debate. Is it cheating <laughs> if you're in another zip code? Is, is it, it dimension another zip code? <laughs> yeah. Is it cheating if you're in an alternate reality? And... You're not seeking out another woman. You're seeking out your the I wife or girlfriend. I traveled the world for the exact same version of you. Yeah, but it's different because maybe it's in different. this one she had different types of issues. So maybe she was a little messed up. You know, maybe she's taller. That might be fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's cheating. I'm calling it now. I think you're fine with that. Yeah. I'll I'll allow it. I'm glad we have these discussions. I don't know why I'm the one who decides, but I'll allow it. <laughs> okay. I was seeking your approval. Good. Yeah. I am a most holy man, therefore. You, you are rather a route of... Never mind. A route? What? I, what? I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> now, the the fact that the thing that drives them, and we talked about this a little bit earlier in the season, was that they still have faith that things will work out. And this is something that Dab brings to the forefront, very, very on the nose at the end of this episode. Sam was the one who kept the faith. Dean said he needed him to be that person. Because he didn't have it after the death of literally everyone. The fact that they always believe that what they're going to do is right. That it'll work out. That we'll figure it out in the end. That really is faith. If nothing else. It's not faith in God or Chuck. It's not faith in, you know, death stopping them from dying. It's not faith in Castiel. It's no. barely, it, it really, at most, it's faith in each other. Yeah. And, and that's something that Sam and Dean have always kind of struggled with. They they never struggled with having faith in each other, in their family, in Castiel, in their own little satellite pocket families they create every season. They always have faith in that. That's the one thing they can always fall back on. But mm-hmm. faith in the more broader sense. This is bring, being brought to the forefront this episode. The idea of faith is is no doubt the focus. But is faith something that Sam and Dean will finally have to rely on true faith because I don't know. Is this a controversial topic? Thomas meaning, do you feel that there's members of the fandom? Do you feel like Sam and Dean have relied on faith in the past? It's a touchy, it's a touchy subject because I do personally feel that Sam and Dean have relied on faith in the past. That's season five. We'll figure it out however we do. He has but, faith but that it'll work out. Faith in themselves. That's kind of faith in themselves. We will figure it out. It You're will saying work faith out. in something else. A higher power. Because something they've never had is faith in Chuck. Ever. No. They've never had faith in God. Even Sam did for a little bit. A very, I mean, if Vaguely. Any, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. And even, and even to some degree, I would say Sam still probably has some faith in God. Mm-hmm. He's just that type of guy. He sees the good in things. And I don't know. Are we going to see Sam and Dean this season have to actually have faith? Because they really, 
it was really on the nose with Father Father Luca and how different he was and how he viewed things. His perspective was very, very different. And when you bring a such a such a different perspective to a show that usually doesn't have those types of perspectives where it's a feel good. I believe in God. All things will work out in our favor. If you're a good person, we usually don't see those types of perspectives in supernatural. So if they're bringing it to the show this season, so strong or this episode so strongly, it is making me wonder whether or not it's going to be a part of the show, like the, a major decision-making part of the writing this season by the end. Are we going to have to see Sam and Dean have faith in a higher power rather than having faith just in themselves? You know, it's iffy because it's, it's hard to quantify it in this, in supernatural because they have previously had faith in each other. I, I, and is that any really different than having faith in a higher power? Yeah. It's Thomas, having faith in you to show up for a show is very different <laughs> than having faith in Ryan. Do you get what okay, I'm saying? Fair enough. Yes. You have a track record. Right. Sam and Dean have a track record of being able to rely on each other. They have been literally to hell and back for each other. Yeah. They have. What has Chuck done? Really? Yes, he's done things at, at his own whim, on a whim. Like, yeah, I'll do that. I'll save you guys here. I'll help out here. I'll do this. On but a whim, yeah. It's more of an afterthought. So can you truly have faith in someone like that when they don't have a great track record? They're literally missing for millennia. And then God suddenly pops up and he's gone again. So I would love to see that be a part of the show for them to have to be vulnerable. Talk about putting and especially Dean putting him into a spotlight of vulnerability where he does have to truly have faith much like the trials of Indiana Jones and the last crusade. I know it sounds Mm -hmm. ridiculous, but out of all the things we've seen Sam and Dean have to go through and all the, the actual trials that they had to do ingredients, finding the right ingredients for spells, all these different steps they had to take in order to win by the end of the season. But one thing they've never had to do is just simply believe, have faith that things will be taken care of. I think that it's leading, taking that idea and with what Sam said at the end of this episode, you know, there's always going to be another monster. There's always going to be another apocalypse. There's always going to be more people to save. Having faith that the world, that people, that good will ultimately win is something different that I do think they'd have to change, especially Dean. He has always been gun in hand. I'll do it on my own terms because he has zero faith in anything other than himself and Sam. Even Castiel has burned him repeatedly disappointment even castiel has burned him repeatedly Hmm. dean has dean has constantly been disappointed by people he's had faith in his father his mother chuck castiel yeah everybody but sam and himself so does that mean you keep fighting until you can't fight anymore or do you actually have to have some faith that go. the world will work itself out now you're getting that what i'm people saying people will survive taking it like that it would be interesting to see because yeah. this is not something they can ultimately win two people against the world you can't do it 
And I think that does play into what Father Lucas said, that good people doing good works make the world a little bit better every day. And And that's really what they're trying to do. That's all you'll be able to do. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. Faith has always been used in Supernatural. You know, we discussed it on a video cast we just did in the episode from season one called Faith. Yeah, right. You know, so it's always been there. But at a larger scale, like we've always played with the idea of faith and having faith and and fighting against our own destiny and Mm -hmm. believing that things will happen. But I feel like if we focus that faith a bit more on something that they don't have control of, I think it creates a vulnerability. I mean, that really is the true idea of faith. Exactly. Like you like having belief believing right. in something imagine again put yourself i didn't finish that thought about indiana jones but look mm-hmm. at indiana jones and the last crusade at how in order to get to where you need to be what do you have to have you have to have faith you have to believe in order to get across that invisible bridge and then right. suddenly you know that it was there the whole time mm-hmm yeah. Those are the types of questions that are interesting. And not only are they interesting from a, a dramatic standpoint, from a writing standpoint or a literary standpoint, but they're interesting from uh, the aspect of of uh, it, it's a metaphysical question. like a Philosophy. Philosophical questions. Those are some of the best things you can – best questions you can pose in, in a TV show, specifically a show like this that is built on the backbone of faith. Especially, and that's the thing that makes you Supernatural unique because there, you know for a fact, and and Dean says it, that God is real, that Chuck exists and he can do things and he could stop things, but he doesn't have faith in him still. And how can you? when? And how could you when you met yeah, the guy? Exactly. You know, he's self-centered, he's, he's egotistical, he's, you know, aloof at best. I, I don't so know. I, I, could you really have faith in? In a world where you know all the rules. Exactly. And that's why I think it would be awesome if they really had to. And is that part of like, could you pull out some bullshit of, you know, should that was Chuck's plan all along? Exactly. Or is there some, is is the metaphysical aspect of faith good and evil beyond even Chuck and Amara? Is this just a fabric foundation force-like element of of existence. Jesus Christ, what did I just say? Like, that's the stuff you can, the level you can take this shit to if you go down that route. It'd be interesting to see because like you said, Dean has always been, I've got faith in these people because they have a track record. But having faith with none of that the Indiana Jones, that's a good comparison, the Indiana Jones bridge. Yeah, I feel like it's It'd be interesting. How awesome would it be if that's how they end, I don't know, this season or even the show in general? Like the Winchesters, are the Winchesters going to have to make changes if they expect to win? Faith is something that Dean never really has taken a liking to. Mostly, again, as you mentioned, the, due to disappointment. But how awesome would it be if in order to win, they had to throw it all on faith? I mean, they kind of have to, if you think about it, you have to believe that even when, cause eventually no matter what Sam and Dean will die. Like when they're 95 and, you know, fighting a werewolf still hobbling along or whatever takes them out. Eventually they'll die and not get 
you know, reincarnated, reborn, saved. And they have to believe that the earth will continue on, that it won't all be for nothing, that humanity will still exist. Yeah, feel like they were really bringing that home in this episode. The idea of Father Luca Calamari, 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 and his blind faith, and how there is a sense of resolve, acceptance, and happiness to him, to Father Luca. And I feel like there's a lesson there for Sam and Dean to learn from. And it just it seems like they're painting a picture for us. There's some foreshadowing there. Why why bring it up this late in the game? Yeah, this on the nose. Yeah, why Singer and Dab, why are they writing this episode? The, the underlying implications of the episode is the reason why they wrote this. Yeah. Despite all the distractions they had with the, the genre shifts and the structure. whether we're watching a mystery or a film noir or a gangster flick, all these distractions. But I think one thing you can definitively point to and say, this is what it's about. And it's the Father Luca aspect and the and the idea of faith. And it's it's a great way to keep us emotionally invested this far along in the show. And it directly ties back to Kripke's initial idea, initial run. Having faith in something beyond yourself, regardless of what that exactly looks like. Exactly. So I, I have no problem with them utilizing it because it is the backbone of Supernatural, especially when you look at the first five seasons that Kripke did. Yeah. Why not? When in doubt and you're not quite sure how to form the 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 invisible narrative or the theme of your show, why not rely on the father that started it all? Yeah, I, mean, I call him father. I'm okay with that. Daddy Kripke. Daddy Kripke. Oh, Daddy Kripke. I love you, Daddy. I love you. Come here. Oh, oh my God. Make me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, please. <laughs> Is your own father issues coming through? I don't know. <laughs> All right, guys. The RMD premium live video feed access and quarterly gift tier is now here. Woo! That is right. Thank you, Mike. We have boosted our quarterly gift tier on Patreon with video access. So now, not only will you receive exclusive gifts every quarter, but you can also get up close and personal during our live shows and recorded sessions. All of this when you sign up for the Get Gifted plus live video access tier on our Patreon page. So go over to patreon.com slash Digital to pledge and receive exclusive RMD and Supernatural Crossword gifts every quarter along with video access for all of our lower tiers that include our produced video casts, podcasts, behind-the-scenes content, plus hundreds of hours of bonus material, all for $15 a month. So head on over to Patreon page today to gain access, patreon.com slash Digital. Yeah, because if you did that, Thomas, they'd be able to watch this show right now live. They could see this right now. They're the only ones getting the show on live a Sunday. this time. Yeah. Right? What day is it? God's Day of Rest. You're right. We don't, we don't rest. Nope. Now, we've talked a fair amount about the underlying subtext of faith and what that had to do with Sam and Dean at this point in the story, which I think really was the main element of this episode for this to be so late in the season. Mm -hmm. This is the thing that we have to talk about. This is something that could come into play, not just for season 13, but the end of the show as a whole, which no matter what you want to think about the show, we have to talk about that as we move into double digit seasons. Mm -hmm. You know, we've been doing this for years. There's going to be an end date. Unfortunately. No, there's not, Thomas. Never a true end date, but, you know. Supernatural never. Never? Will end. It's it's going to be, what is it, like Law & Order SVU, just 87 seasons? Yeah, just change out the cast eventually. 
That's what. That's once what, we uh, get the digital recreations down, we'll just have stand-in actors. Yeah, that's what Law there and Order does. Not not the not the digital element, but they replace actors and like, hey, here you go. Yeah, that's true. Now, Supernatural is known for taking liberties in the show and having little breaks between the very heavy narrative and more the monster of the week element. And with some of those, they've done a great job of playing around with the format, with the style, with the genre. And we've had them both for just fun episodes, as well as we've had them primarily, it seems, that they do them for main myth arc episodes. Yeah. Changing Channels, Baby, The French Mistake. It's a good thing that I feel like Supernatural has done throughout the years to bring levity to a season that may be a bit heavy. A lot to digest. And that's something we've said even with parts of season 12 and season 13. There's some heavy, heavy implications. Things they they reveal about um, what's going on in today's world dealing with suicide and depression. They have definitely explored those elements, especially with Meredith Glenn having a liking. Mm Mm-hmm. For taking bits of uh, or dosages of reality and mixing it with the supernatural fiction, so there's nothing wrong with bringing levity. I think it's um I think it's needed in a show like Supernatural. Plus, it just stays true to the roots of Supernatural. You know, messing around with pop culture, filmmaking 101, which is what the first season was really all about. You know, it was a filmmaker's wet dream in a lot of ways. So to always harken back to utilizing different film geek genres and using it to dress up your episode, I think is fine. Absolutely. And it's fun. Yeah, I think it is good to have it in these heavier seasons. I mean, changing channels is in season five. Yeah. The apocalypse is happening. Lucifer's free. Let's goof off for a little bit. Yeah. And have a Japanese game show where Sam gets hit in the balls. <laughs> yeah. Like, how do you else do you That's weave that time. stuff? That's a good time sometimes. Getting hit in the nuts? It's called ball busting. Ball. Oh. It's actually a thing you can oh. you can call a 900 number on the back of the newspaper right there. You have a newspaper still? <laughs> it, just, it just sounded good. It sounded good. They do have the 900 number still on the back of newspapers. I don't know who uses it. Maybe my grandpa does. But <laughs> Yeah, I saw ball busting once. What's that? Let's I just call think, this 800 number. I don't here. think you want to find out, grandfather. It's not what you think. Now, and it is fun to get something a little bit different than what we're used to, the procedurally generated, the procedural episode, procedurally generated, Jesus. What? They just come up with a fake reality every time. (laughs) (laughs) It's all the Matrix. Now, this episode went with a, it started out as a noir. It started out with the femme fatale. You have this intrigue where you have to make a deal with somebody the music cues throughout the entire episode scream 30s 40s noir there's direct shots taken from some of the best movies in that genre and then it it digs over to gangster movies Mm -hmm. halfway through when we introduce the wow can't even remember his name and Uh, scarpati or whatever scarpati the gangster at his place with language straight out of the Godfather and the idea that they have to do it because they have no other choices now. And there was also the mystery caper. So you're dealing yeah, with three different genres. A murder mystery. Yeah. Within 20 minutes, we've gone from noir from the thirties and forties into a murder mystery, which kind of still fits. And then we transition to a gangster, which theoretically the gangster and murder mystery could fit. 
But they're very but, different but they're genres. Very different styles. Yeah. From a cinematography standpoint, noir is a definitive style. Heavy shadows, heavy blacks over these silhouetted characters. I mean, the the point where the father's walking down the alleyway and the bad guy with the gun follows him, and you just see the shadows. Yeah, it was on cool. The wall. I mean, it was straight out. Of, I think it's M. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I'm a huge fan of the film noir genre. Huge. I love the usage of negative fill. I love yeah. it all. I feel like the the problem, though, Thomas, is that it was too many. It was like a collage of genres all thrown together, and there was too many shifts in tone. Yes. Because we go from a mystery caper, then we move into the film noir with the femme fatale that liked Sam, and then we go into the gangster flick. It almost seems like heist element in the very beginning. Yeah, it seems like that they never really had a handle on one specific genre before they handed it off to the next. Yeah. And that's the thing is that it while you can have any of these, it probably would have been a stronger showing had you had one and stuck with it. Because I think you're right. The tone feels inconsistent. The same one that the same episode that has a murder mystery where the brothers are getting potentially framed and being threatened for their lives doesn't seem to fit no. with the one where the girl who they've met for five minutes is coming on to Sam incredibly strong with the music playing and Dean's joking face of like, oh, Jesus, what is this all about? Which I felt like myself as I was watching it yeah. just a little bit. Right. Like, really, lady, you're not subtle at all. But it was a bit too much going on. We are fans of we are fans of the genres and you we're film geeks. So yeah. we're gonna love when TV shows do it. I mean and I mean I they, knew exactly what it was from, but I love the shadows on the wall. Yeah. Storytelling. There's times in Supernatural where they do it and they do it the right way. You have last season with season, I believe, episode twelve, stuck in the middle. Yeah. With Richard Spate. I mean, he was borrowing a lot from the the crime films. And also the spaghetti westerns. And I felt like those two genres meshed together pretty well and it felt pretty seamless. But with a, with a, with an episode like this, it felt like they were kind of pulling genres out of their ass. And then also it didn't feel like they had an understanding of the genre that they were working with. Um, and it we, felt like they shifted gears to the next one before you really got a concrete footing on the previous one. Yeah. And we are fans of multi-genre flicks and television shows. Supernatural has done it numerous times, but typically you've got to rely on one more than the other. Otherwise you run the risk of making it seem like you might not know what you're doing. It'll feel inconsistent. Very inconsistent. And the, an example of this where is Kill Bill. Kill Bill is a perfect example of a piece of cinematic genius where you have multiple genres being utilized as sources of inspiration like the classic samurai epics, the kung fu flicks, the exploitation cinema of the 60s and 70s, as well as the spaghetti western. Now, that's a lot of genres, but Tarantino relied on one genre the most that kept a cohesiveness, and that was the western archetypes, the spaghetti western archetypes in particular. And I think that's where this episode kind of fizzled and failed it was the collage of genres that didn't feel cohesive. It it truly felt mm -hmm. like they weren't sure what they were doing in the episode. And it came across because I was asking myself, what are we trying to tell here? With the very beginning being this noir, the femme fatale, the, the lady with the dark, the bright red lipstick, you know, she is 
clearly attractive, but she's clearly dangerous. The entire idea behind the femme fatale is that you don't know which side she's playing. She can't 100% be trusted, but we think she, but she's only helped us out so far, except that time she didn't, but that turned out to work in our favor, and she knew it would. When I think of a femme fatale in Supernatural, I think of Bella from season three. Perfect example. She of, of was somebody fatale. who you, she was attractive and she was dangerous, but she helped you out at the same time, but then she screwed you guys, and you could never 100% trust her, but you had to work with her. And yeah. in this, we have this character. I think, Thomas, just before we get into that, yeah. I, I feel like that you could have kind of picked up the script and went through all the typical things you should you should do when you rewrite and say, okay, this character has no purpose. This character has no purpose. Yeah. This character has no purpose. And you could have easily crossed them off and focused and isolated the one. I feel like the biggest mistake is that they never went back to the femme fatale till the end. Why set up a femme fatale? And the whole idea of a femme fatale is you don't know where their allegiances lie. They should have kept her done away with Green Street, done away with the mafia dude, and just focused on her. And she should have been side by side with Sam and Dean the entire time where we're not quite sure if we should trust her. Is she really going to help them find uh, the um, the blood of the most holy man? What is her real intentions? And if they would have kept her closer Sam and Dean throughout the entire episode rather than us not seeing her for mm -hmm. a good 25 30 minutes to where we actually forgot about her I feel like the femme fatale aspect would have worked a lot better and it would have kept the entire script a lot tighter we focused on things that we didn't even need to well, focus it kept on shifting so yes had she been in it throughout the whole thing you could have kept uh was it Green Street mm -hmm. you could have kept him or could have kept the gangster. You couldn't have both and the femme fatale. There's right. too much in a 42-minute show, in a, in a 42-page script. Mm. There's too much going on for that. You don't, like you said, you don't have the femme fatale return. There's no one that she could play against the brothers, except maybe each other, but they've kind of moved past that in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. You don't have the... The, the the what's the word I'm looking for the trickery the element that you can't trust her in any way coming to light if she only shows up as the bad guy yeah somebody who screwed everyone else off camera which doesn't land to me it shows the fundamental they don't understand whoever wrote this and I don't know if it was truly Dab or Singer it, it to me it comes off as them not even having grasp on the fundamentals of a film noir and yet you're writing within this genre utilizing the femme fatale and not even utilizing it the correct way right. why even do it if you're not going to rely on the archetype it, 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 it doesn't it's serve anything then it's very very strange and had the fact that we jump from this noir mystery to a murder mystery to now we're getting thrown into a truck with gangsters and Dean's entire mood has shifted because what they drove the car. I get that would piss him off, but him to just mouth off to a gangster is something straight out of a gangster movie where you kind of earn that gangsters respect is traditionally what happens in the movies, at least not in real life. Don't try that in real life, but in the movies, that's traditionally what happens. And here, Hey, I'm walking here. <laughs> 
<laughs> the gangsters introduced, he's barely threatening. He offers them a pretty fucking sweet deal. And he allows them to badmouth him so much. He allows them to badmouth in front of his men. There's no physical repercussions. He doesn't shoot Dean in the leg. He Why didn't he take a wrench and like knock the, their, their, break their out. hands? Something. There was Something. no threat. It was like, hey, I remember once, Thomas, I watched the uh, the Godfather. Mm-hmm. And there was a scene where a guy was sitting down, he was petting a cat, and there was lots of opera music in the background, Italian opera. And uh, that's all I really know about it. I don't really understand anything else. I don't really understand his point. You didn't even, there was no fear, even in There's this, no in this threat. alleged mafia dawn, because he allowed them to just constantly make fun of him in front of his men. And you think back to other gangster movies that this presumably took inspiration from the departed what happens to leonardo's hand yeah they smash the ever-living shit out of it because they think there might be a wire maybe on some guy they just met maybe yeah and here you're talking off to this guy who's killed multiple people he's got millions of dollars he's a gang lord and there's nothing there's no threat so that that would only work if it, you were sticking harder to the mystery or noir to where you knew he was dangerous, but you couldn't he couldn't say outright, I'm going to have you kneecapped right. because I'm a businessman. I'm respectable in the community there. It's it's not understanding, at least on the surface, that these two don't exactly fit. They may have some similar elements but that doesn't mean they're exactly the same. You can't just stitch it together. And that's the problem is that I feel like it's stitched together yeah. halfway through. Yeah. They Frankenstein this episode. It, it's a bit of a Frankenstein. Yeah. And then the, unfortunately it's alive. The, the ending <laughs> just, the ending just feels like boondock saints. When I've got Dean coming in two yeah, guns, Thomas, just shooting in the air. Can you explain that to me? So no. we go from, <laughs> we go from film noir to mystery to gangster flick and now to i don't know what that was Boondock so, Saints, john dude. woo you've got john woo over cranking your camera putting some slow-mo there i i have expected doves to fly out of dean's ass as oh, he's double that would have been entertaining shooting. that would have been funny at least and i think that's <laughs> one of the things is that had you stuck with noir and had you made it black and white and had you kept dean and sam playing it a lot more campy like something like changing channels or the french mistake this would have landed. Yeah. Had you stuck with a gangster movie and been a lot more threatening and that they had to come up with some way to screw over the gangster, it would have worked. But it's that is this, this, this hybrid mm-hmm. that just doesn't seem to stitch together well at all. Mike, I'm going to come to you. What are your final thoughts on this one? Oh, I, I hate being a troll. And I know just last week I got into a big old tirade about you, you got you know, a big tyrant. You got a hissy fit. Yeah. And, you know, I was justifying for Supernatural because I feel like it's a good show, but I don't refrain from telling my f- true thoughts if an episode isn't that good. And I have to say, this is, uh, I feel bad. It's a D. It's a D. I, I feel like because I'm a film nut, right? I think the underlying message the underlying theme is solid the idea of faith there's a lot of questions there but it was all of five minutes yeah for the most part and there was a whole lot of nothing happening which again i would probably be okay and say hey you know what i get it not every episode can be a home run but then this episode to me feels like a collage of ideas 
And being a film geek and understanding film genres, specifically the film noir, the gangster flick, and the the mysteries uh, and the radio serials of the 30s and 40s, which I'm a huge fan of all three. They're very different genres. Do they cross over sometimes? Absolutely. Sometimes they're considered subgenres of each other. But you need to have an understanding of each genre. And I always say this. If you know your genre, you can write your story. This is an example of not truly understanding a genre and picking it and using it as a way to form your vehicle to write your show. How are we going to get from A to B? Well, I'm going to dress this narrative up as a film noir uh, meets a crime caper, mystery caper meets a godfather feel type movie. I'm like, well, those genres don't really go together. Well, I'm going to I'm going to predominantly rely on one. So that can be my focus and I can use these other things as as additional pieces that I can really dress up the narrative and make it snazzy and make it a fun episode. I'm going to get to Hawaii in my car. Right. Okay, you can't just pick (laughs) what you want to take there before you know where you're going. Yeah, it just it felt like they didn't really have an understanding of the genres they were using. They picked stereotypes and or cliches, I should say. That's another thing is you can have. When you write within a genre, there's always going to be those go-tos. There's going to be certain archetypes, like, for example, the femme fatale. You're going to have the anti-heroes. You're going to have certain things that you need to have, but that doesn't mean they need to be cliches or stock characters or cartoon versions of what you think a character should be in a genre. And that's what I saw this episode. I saw one big cliche after another. I feel like it might be the worst written episode of the season. And it's yeah. sad because Robert Singer and Andrew Dabb wrote it. The two people who should be writing A plus episodes. Well, Robert Singer shouldn't be writing anything because he's not a writer. So I'm kind of <laughs> I'm kind of confused why he wrote this. Yeah. So it's it, rough. Yeah, dude. I mean, for, uh, you know what? Let me make it a D plus. D plus. Because the actor that played father luca mm-hmm. i think was on point and he was the highlight he for me he's the thing that saved the episode if he was not in the episode i don't i probably would have thrown my remote out the window yeah he was the saving grace for me this one's tough for me because i border between two grades both low we're not gonna you know spoil anything there i feel horrible because i feel like i just broke up with, I, a, with a girlfriend i love <laughs> for no reason you're going to go pick her stuff up at her house later? I'm just so sad. For me, <laughs> this one, I had a for fuck's sake meter. Oh. And it, it went off three times to where I audibly said for fuck's sake as I'm watching it because Jeez. some of the writing felt ham-fisted. The fact that we already know, and if you've been paying attention, Father Luca is clearly the most holy man. He got shot. You should get some of his blood. He's everything that Sam respects as a religious figure. But they had to say it too, Thomas. But he fucking has to say, oh, yeah, he called me the exact thing you're looking for. Yeah, that okay, was. Okay, what in that the was fuck? was really for bad. fuck's sake. When we have the evil gangster petting the cat like he's Claw from Inspector Gadget. Yeah. Ew. Or the fucking Dr. Evil. Are you kidding me with that? And that I felt the whole time it was disjointed and for it to be so distant in tone, not only from its own content, but from the previous episode of what that of where that we left someone lobotomized and brain dead and we will do whatever it takes. I'm going to shoot two guns while jumping through the air. Oh, damn. 
what? I mean, I felt like I had hot fuzz playing in the background because some of those action movie elements are coming into being parodied. Yeah. It, 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 it I said this off the air, Thomas. It yeah. felt like a first year film student wanted to make oh. a short film by using all his favorite moments. I watched seen Casino in a movie. last night and Goodfellas and then I fell asleep yeah. and watched, you know, in double indemnity and said, fuck it, I can do this. It's really negative, but that's where it's coming across for me. Well, what's your rating? I'm uh, go ahead. I'm gonna give it a D plus. Oh, I feel shitty. Bitch down, bitch down, bitch down, I think if any of the elements, if the writing had worked, but just I when didn't you like, thought we had retired that song, oh, it's never gone. It's never gone. Look at my dad. Look at my dad. Look at my dad. If any of it had had <laughs> any one element had spoken to me a little bit more. I mean, even Sam and Dean felt off with how they talked. It's like you've always prepared with your tools i'm like you used a fucking antenna from a car yeah. to pick your handcuff dude, locks dude. in season one it was and so now much sam's man. the smart one and he's like yeah well you're like uh i don't know what you're like yeah it's, that, it's, that's the guy who you've known for your entire life your brother and these are the showrunners writing this episode I'm, i feel like shit but it just didn't work for me I think there needs to be a hostile takeover. I think uh, Barons <laughs> just needs to go in there with a gun. Oh my god! You know, I don't think, don't I think, recommend oh, that. I think Barons needs to go in there with like piano wire. Let's do let's do our own mafia movie here. He's gonna garrot somebody. <laughs> yeah, is he hitman? He shaves his head <laughs> yeah. and everything. Barons shave all his hair. Oh Jesus! Buy a new suit. Hey Armani. Barons, what are you doing? I'm getting ready to kill Dab. This is a uh, metaphorical murder. Is is uh. It's like the Scooby Doo episode. It's cartoon. It's not real. Right. Look at my dad. Look at my dad. Everybody said down. Trap niggas on the mouth. Trap niggas like the dad. All right, so we've got a couple of weeks before the. Hold Go on, ahead. Thomas, have we ever rated an episode or graded an episode as a D? I think I did. I, I remember with. The one even, you've been waiting for, I wanted to give it a D, but that was purely out of hate, and I gave it a C minus just because yeah. I I did not like that one at all. But a lot of that wasn't because it didn't work in the episode; <laughs> it was because so right <laughs> because I wanted so much more out of the Thule, so I had to take my subjective yeah, want yeah, out of it. Can't rate it on that. Yeah, I don't know if we have. And I feel really fucking bad. And maybe I'm grading a little more harshly just because these are the showrunners. Maybe that's it as well. You guys it, are I, the end all. Be. They are the end all in that writing room. And this together is what they came up with. It just didn't work. That, that's strange. It's very odd. And I cannot understand what was happening. We're going to get a lot of hate. I'm sure we are. But <laughs> you know what? I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. So we've got a couple of weeks before the Scooby-Doo episode, which everyone's looking forward to that'll be fun it'll get some of the the bad taste out of our mouth or the that we've just made everybody feel sometimes when you have a bad taste in your mouth and there's something that was put in that you didn't want or asked for <laughs> you just gotta gurgle you just gotta gurgle just, just gargle it yeah just oh. i'm not and i'm not doing i'm doing there's a difference different. listen distinctly see thomas 
What am I doing? Sucking a dick. What am I doing now? Gargling the aftermath. Very. Uh, very different things. All right. We got a couple of weeks before this one. We want to thank everybody for taking the time to listen to us. If you were on the $15 live Patreon tier, thanks for watching. And we will see you guys in a couple of weeks later. DJ you little maggot. You are no longer a part of this story. Hey, ass butt. Thank you.